It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. When MJ VizCon, I'm here with Rob Seacrest of Polaris Equity Group. Yep. Yes, not fun. Polaris Equity Group. For those that aren't familiar with Polaris, what is it? Uh, what do you guys do? So, Polaris Equity Group is a value-add lender. We were the first dedicated lender to the cannabis sector in 2016. We created um, our, we launched the Polaris Fund in 2018, which was the first dedicated vehicle. Um, and this was for all uh, cannabis lending across the, the country. And then we were the first private mortgage REIT in 2020. And then this year we did the first bond offering. We did the first uh, warehouse line of credit with an FCIC insured lender. And today we just announced an upsizing to a billion dollars. And you guys, uh, so your, your cannabis equity fund, um, or your cannabis portfolio, has uh, an annualized return on IRR of around like 13 or 15%? We've done 15% IRR every year we've been in full operation. All right, and, so you're, uh, you're consistently beating the S&P in cannabis. Yeah, um, I don't track the public markets, but I mean, this is a debt fund and our share price doesn't, vol you know, there's no volatility there. And uh, we make monthly distributions. Uh, we're shooting for 15%. We've been able to keep achieving it. That's not too bad. Yeah. So how long have you been doing that? So the fund has been on operation since 2018, but we've been in the sector since 2016. Okay. And you said it's primarily a debt fund? Yeah. So we're a lender. And so we just do loans to the owners of commercial real estate, and we allow for cannabis use tenants. Most of our borrowers are owner users, and most of them have cultivation and some other type of license along with it. We're, our specialty is value-add lending, which is construction loans. It could be ground-up construction, it could be tenant improvements, or it could just be the stabilization to get the license and everything in place uh, to get that fully stabilized and up and running. So, the, the bond offering and the recent upsizing allowed us to reduce our cost of capital so that we could offer a lower cost uh, loan for our fully stabilized borrowers. So now, um, starting this, this month, once the borrowers are fully stabilized, we can step down that rate or we can offer new originations of fully stabilized uh, borrowers, the you know, high single digits, low double digits, which seems enormously expensive, but in the cannabis sector, these are the rates that, it, that it's taking for us to raise the capital to be able to push it out. Right. So is this just for um, certain sectors, or are you offering this to uh, plant-touching companies? Yeah, so we're a national lender, and we're agnostic to the type of cannabis-related business tenant is in, the, in it, but it doesn't matter to us. Just by nature, dispensaries have very low uh, budget component, and that's a, that's a type of loan that anybody can do because it's an urban environment, generally a smaller balance loan. We do stuff from $5 million to $100 million. Um, more secondary markets where these operations have to be uh, built because that's where the, the zones are, where the tax is the lowest to do those types of transactions. So that's that's the banks are never going to do that. And so you have to remember that everybody is trying to compare us to what is a normal market, and this is not a normal market. There's nobody else doing the size and scale of up to 100 million like us. And even if banks could do it, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Uh, they don't understand it. If you even look at an SBA loan, they don't approve uh, three quarters of those. So the approval rates are are, are are really, really bad. So I will tell you, out of the, I think it's 28, as of today, payoffs that we've had, we have had uh, credit unions and banks pay us off. So it is possible mm. to do it, um, but I don't. we don't know what their metrics are. 
And uh, you know, these, a lot of these transactions have an enormous amount of equity behind them, and the, the banks can get there on that. Maybe eventually they'll catch wind of some of the profits. What, a, what are some but, of your, your margins? But the profits don't matter because we're just a lender, and so a bank doesn't share in any profit. So it's a really important point to distinguish. But wouldn't, so what I mean by profit though, is wouldn't the money come from originating and then selling it off and kicking that can down the road? Isn't that how they would make that money? There is no syndication on the, from a bank side. So as a private lender, we could syndicate transactions and we used to do that. It's not an efficient way to raise capital. You want to be able to have a dedicated vehicle that you have enough velocity and capital to do everything on your own. Syndicating is, is, a, is just one more point of failure that you possibly have. So the banks, I doubt that they're syndicating off, um, and there's no real secondary market for these transactions. So you're not really competing against the banks. Are you competing against IIRP or any other uh, company that does sale leaseback options? So I wouldn't say that we're competing against any of these people. With IIPR and New Lake and some of the other larger uh, traditional REITs that own the properties, we're just simply giving borrowers an option. Do they want to sell? and get rid of the largest asset that they have on their balance sheet and, and, and get rid of that? Or did they want to just do, they want to just refinance, keep that asset, and uh, you know continue on with that asset? So that's that's a question for them. Okay. Um, where are you seeing the money flow? There's been a lot of deal flow uh, 2019, you know, maybe it was uh, accurate dosing. The pandemic hit and we're looking at essential businesses and a lot of edibles being sold. Um, where are you seeing deal flow now? So for us, we are not an operator. So we're not looking for a specific geographic location or a specific product type that we're trying to lend for. We've seen 2,000 transactions. We've funded 58 of those. We're looking for the best deal on a case-by-case -case basis. So we take, we're not, we're not like trying to focus and only do this type of transaction. So that's not the case that for us. But what I will say is that everything kind of starts with flour, uh, and uh, from the most case, even if you're doing extraction. So, you know, that's where we still see the most is in cultivation, indoor cultivation, and or mixed light or green, uh, greenhouse type of stuff. That's what most of our portfolio is. Now, a lot of them have um, extraction or other types of licenses along with it, but that's what we still see today. I just don't see somebody building a million square foot dispensary. You know, it just doesn't make sense. You're seeing some 30,000 square foot ones in, in Vegas, but I think that's more of a showroom. It, it, well, it makes sense here. Uh, Planet 13 doing an amazing job. They've, they've got a new one in Southern California as well. Um, and. When you have the volume of people coming through Las Vegas that might be from states that don't even allow cannabis, they want to hit Planet 13. I don't know if you, uh, when you flew in, there's uh, every single taxi has got Planet 13 and they'll take you there. And I, I think the Planet 13's even got them on, on the take if they bring somebody in. Are you seeing a difference um, West Coast with, with existing access, uh, assets or um, distressed assets versus the East Coast? Are your terms and conditions uh, drastically different when you're looking at emerging markets versus existing? That's a really good question. Nobody's ever asked me that. So we don't treat any transaction, any, our credit policy is our credit policy regardless of where it is. Um, where we would treat it differently, and there's a really good question, a limited license state for an operator is an advantage. An, unlimited licenses uh, uh, state is actually an advantage for for a lender 
we want the maximum replaceability of the tenant. Mm. And so, I, you know, Florida, vertically integrated license state, I think there's 22 master licenses or whatever there. It's, it's $100 million to, to do that entire supply line. If one of those guys fails, do you think that one of the other ones is going to spend another 50 million on the license and build out the whole vertical chain or just absorb that market share? So that we have to so in that circumstance we would have to underwrite that differently. So on a limited license state and that's the, the the extreme, we would need to really look at how are we going to get comfortable with replacing that that operator if we needed to. Yeah, from a risk mitigation standpoint, what do you look at? Because I look at commercial and residential real estate as being all-time high. So either quantitative easing is depreciating our purchasing power or there's a, a bubble on commercial and real estate. How do you navigate that risk, um, especially in a place like Oklahoma that has way too many licenses where consolidation is inevitable? So we only value the real estate. We don't value the license, even though we do tie that up because you need that to, to be able to, to trade or re, reposition the asset. So the real estate market is an enormous market. There's single family, owner occupied, you know, multifamily, commercial properties. A lot of that stuff's at all time high. In cannabis, there's no secondary trades. Nobody sells their cannabis property unless it's to IIPR to pull that cash out. So nobody is going to sell their property and leave that freaking property. It, there's no way. So because of that, that is, and that will always be the case, so we had to build our own proprietary database to understand the market in each state, know how many cannabis operator market, uh, cannabis operator licenses there are, how, what, type there are what, type, what types of licenses they are, where they're located, do they own the building, who's the lender, and we're watching for those secondary trades. We're looking for those distressed assets. We're watching those markets. We need to know, has the state reached capacity in production? It's a very important thing. Nobody did that until we came in. Okay. Why are you here, Rob? This is uh, the world's largest uh, convention. What are some of the takeaways you're hoping uh, to take away? So for us here, so I'm on the side of fund administration and capital raising for us. So my purpose here is to do um, press and to maintain our brand equity. Um, and the other is investor intelligence. So this is where you find out what's happening at all across the nation in one spot in just a couple of days. And that's a really important flow of information. Now, the rest of our team members are here that are working on originations and meeting with our existing borrowers or new borrowers. And you know, I get tripped up in some of those as well, but that's not my side of the company. But it's, it's to stay connected to the industry. This industry is moving so fast that you, like our CEO, I'm having to text him every few minutes just to keep giving him information because I'd forget it by the end of the day. So basically, you're coming here to give you a gauge on where the industry is going? Yeah, just you, no pre-planned. only thing that we have pre-planned is, is PR. Mm -hmm. And our origination guys have got meetings with borrowers. But it's just basically to absorb information. And you, there's, I don't know, like I found out today, that there's a payment processor that can do straight ACHs, which I knew our bank could do. And I thought our bank was the first. Well, this, this guy had it to connect to any bank. And oh, I'm wow. like, what? And it happened to be one of my friend's uh, best buddies. And, I, and I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. I can't believe that you're at this little tiny booth over here. <laughs> and so, you know, like that doesn't directly uh, uh, touch us, but it's just, we're, we w want the, the industry to continue maturing and growing and the cost to keep coming down. And, you know, this is a larger industry than the NFL and the MLB combined in, in annual sales. And it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger. And so. 
we are happy to be providing the debt solution so that people aren't having to sell their companies away um, at the worst possible time. What are a couple of goals that you have for you know 2022 and beyond in order to uh, continue to be uh, to have those first mover advantages? So if you would have asked me that this earlier in this year, I would have said be the first to do a, a private bond offering, but we did it. I'd say the first to get a, a, an institutional warehouse line of credit, but we did it. Um, and the bond offering was unsecured, which is a lot tougher to do. Um, and we just completed the upsizing to a billion dollars. Now, that upsizing was because we're gonna go past our previous offering at 250 million in equity. So my, our goal is in two to three years to get to a billion of equity. And that's our goal. And so our goal is just more, we want to maintain our brand name as being the leader in the lending of this entire sector. And I think we've got a good, a good basis to do that. Well, for the investor audience and anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about the Polaris Equity Group, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Where are you at? So for the loan side, it, loan side, it would be info, I-N-F-O, at Polaris Equity Group. And Polaris Equity Group, you can look it up online, P-E-L-O-R-U-S, and then equitygroup.com. And if it's for investors, it's just IR at PolarisEquityGroup.com. And if, there, if you didn't catch the spelling, just search us, you'll, you'll find it. We'll actually put that in the description, so check the show notes. Uh, we'll have the uh, LinkedIn and, and website out there. Yeah. So, but. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap this one up. I want to thank my guest, Rob uh, Seacrest. He's with Polaris Equity Group. Rob, appreciate you being on the Talking Hedge. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.